You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. So, President Biden started off his Mideast, uh, first leg of his Mideast tour. He landed in Israel. Uh, he said he would not shake hands when he landed due to COVID protocol. So the caretaker prime minister, Yair Lapid, greeted Biden with a fist bump, as did, uh, I, I believe, Naftali Bennett and President Herzog were also on the tarmac. And I think this was you know, a big test for Biden. Um, Israel, so far from what we've seen, everything has gone according to plan. I think... Um, you know, it started off with, with uh, he, he visited Yad Vashem, the Holocaust uh, Memorial in Israel, and the press conference with Prime Minister Lapid, and the, they signed the Jerusalem Declaration, which recommitted, you know, to stopping Iran from obtaining a nuclear weapon. And, you know, again, it's non-binding. Uh, so we'll see if, you know, Biden stands by his word. But Lapid said during the press conference that he doesn't believe diplomacy will work alone. And uh, he, he really, you know, Israel wants to keep, wants America to, to remain serious about the military option. And right now it appears that Biden is still committed to reviving the 2015 Iran nuclear deal. Even worse, in fact, I just saw a segment with David Friedman on Fox Business where he said that uh, I believe almost $800 billion is on the table uh, to give in the next five years uh, to give to Iran as they're trying to build you know, more ballistic missiles, uh, you know, arm themselves with a nuclear weapon. And they want to destroy Israel and then they'll come after America. It basically guarantees Iran a nuclear weapon. Um, and right now, I believe, you know, the only country that is credi credibly fighting this is Israel, along with the Sunni Gulf countries. Um, Biden is still committed to rejoining the JCPOA. So on that issue, Israel and the U.S. remain divided, although you couldn't tell, other than Lapid's comment about, uh, you know, diplomacy will not work. He called Biden a, a Zionist and one of the best friends Israel has ever had. Biden is also the first president to visit an East Jerusalem Palestinian establishment. And this sort of lays claim, you know, he believes the, you know, the future Palestinian capital should be in East Jerusalem. He said he, he was going to reopen the, the Palestinian consulate in Jerusalem which is essentially you know, redividing Jerusalem. It, it gives them an, uh, their own embassy in Jerusalem. But the fact that he's going to visit um, a hospital in East Jerusalem and will not take any Israelis with him. The Israelis offered to accompany him on the trip, but he rebuffed their advances, uh, says something. Reed, I you know, I listened to um, part of that press conference. I didn't hear the whole thing, but I heard Biden say, you know, make no mistake. And that like that voice, you know, make no mistake. Um, you know, we will not absolutely not let 
um, Iran get a nuclear weapon. But when he says something like that, and you know, if you read between the lines and you see what he's doing, that's not how he's behaving. He is behaving like he is 100% going back into that nuclear deal, which is the, the Obama, the original Obama deal, which is only going to arm them with nuclear weapons. So how, how does he explain that? I don't understand how he says we are not going, we're committed to not letting Iran get a nuclear weapon, but clearly he is. Well, it's, it's the most off-repeated line, right? Iran will never obtain a nuclear weapon and time is running out on obtaining a nuclear deal. This is something that is constantly being said by Biden, by Blinken, Secretary of State Blinken, by Rob Malley, Wendy Sherman, all the, the same negotiators who, were, who are negotiating the Iran nuclear deal now were, are the same people who are with Obama. You know, another big issue is that when uh, Biden meets with Palestinian Authority President Abbas tomorrow, he's going to get pressured to open a Palestinian consulate in Jerusalem. He will get pressured to reopen the PLO office in DC. And it'll be interesting to see if Biden will bring up the Palestinians pay for slave program. You know, almost immediately upon taking office, Biden um, restored Palestinian funding. I think it was $250 million and now it's up to $500 million. You know, I think it, it's funneled through UNRWA and you know, it, it, it lines the, the pockets of the Palestinian leadership who then have a Palestinian martyrs fund and pay terrorists for killing Jews and even non-Jews. I mean, the Taylor Forrest Act. So Biden giving money to the Palestinian Authority is in direct violation of the Taylor Force Act, which passed in 2018. Um, and it was had bipartisan support, but uh, and it was named after Taylor Force, who was murdered by Palestinian terrorists. He was an American veteran traveling to Israel as a, with his graduate school, and he was murdered by a Palestinian terrorist. And Joe Biden, who was then vice president, was visiting the same day as he was killed. And so the Taylor Force Act was named after him. So basically the Palestinian Authority law, according to PA law, anyone who was murdered or Jew gets a salary for life. And the more heinous the crime, the higher the salary. And there's no, you know, Biden needs to be involved in, in, in stopping this. I don't, I don't see that happening. He's not going to stop it. I mean, especially he, you know, Trump had stopped all of that, all of that money going to those Palestinian terrorists, but he gave it right back. So what, what's going to make him stop it? I mean, he already gave it back. He's not going to stop doing it now. I don't see the end to that. I mean, I also don't see how he continually talks about, you know, diplomacy with Iran and diplomacy and diplomacy. And, you know, the Iranians, are, I feel like they're in their back room. They're laughing their rear ends off. Like it's a joke to them. You know, they know they have him over the barrel and they're going to get to do whatever they want. I feel so, like the whole world has him over a barrel. Yes. <laughs> I mean, everybody's got something on this guy. The, what Arit said there about $800 billion. I, I'm, my mouth is wide open here. I can't even imagine where are we getting all this money in this country that this guy is spending? There is billions here and billions there. And the money never gets used for what 
we're told that it's going forever. And we paid, he and Obama paid huge amounts of money to Iran in the airplane that went over at night or three airplanes full of money, cash money. What did they do with that money? They built up their military system. They built up their their um, nuclear systems. They they did they didn't give it to the people. They didn't help their people in any way. How could we even think of paying them a dime more for anything? They they've never been trustworthy with anything. Well, well and it's also not it, it's not only beefing up their nuclear program. It's also increasing their ballistic missile capability. They're now funding Iranian proxies in the region, in Lebanon, in Syria, the Houthis in Yemen. And the Houthis have been attacking Saudi population centers too in recent months. And of course, you know, overlaid over Biden's visit is, is really all eyes now will be on Saudi Arabia when he lands in Saudi Arabia tomorrow. Because, you know, he, call, he, he called out Saudi Arabia he said for the pariah that they are, uh, he blamed MBS, who, you know, is far from perfect, but has made major reforms in the country uh, in, in recent years for the Khashoggi murder, the journalist. And as heinous as that was, you know, the Khashoggi had ties to bin Laden, to the Muslim Brotherhood. He wasn't, you know, again, it was a terrible crime, but we shouldn't prop him up to be made out of, you know, that he's some, you know, very liberal Western journalist because he was not. So it will be interesting to see Biden's almost going hat in hand to the Saudis wants them to increase oil output to take the pressure off of us. And we'll see how MBS, you know, greets him when Trump picked Saudi Arabia as his first foreign trip abroad. And when he got there, he received, you know, a, a beautiful welcome, and it was it was a successful trip. It'll be interesting to see what happens uh, tomorrow with Biden. I don't think that the Saudis are going to give him more oil. I think the Saudis are almost tapped out anyway. They're providing so much oil also to all the European countries. I mean, I, and and isn't it kind of pathetic that we are sitting on our own oil reserves and we've got to go over to Saudi Arabia and beg them to to give them more, give us more oil? It's embarrassing. I think and it's our own oil reserves that are bigger than Saudi Arabia's. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I can't even imagine. Um, I, I I don't think that I think that Biden is just an obstacle in Israel's way. You know, I think that Biden is just going to Israel could basically handle this entire thing on their own with Iran also. But, um, you know, they can't clearly because they have to have, you know, the, the backing of the U- United States. But, you know. Biden is certainly not making it easy for them. And, you know, it's it doesn't look good that the United States and Israel are going to look at like they're at odds with each other over diplomatic solutions versus military solutions. I mean, at the very least, you have to at least put on a front, you know, and and use military force as a threat. That's the only way that diplomacy is going to even begin to work. So. I obviously nobody wants military action, but it's not an option for for Iran to get a nuclear weapon. And they are they're they're just being given all the money in the world to do so. It's really upsetting. Right. And and, you're exactly right. And another concern is that Israel is engulfed in their own political turmoil at the moment. Uh, 
Yair Lapid is, is in a very weak position. He's a caretaker prime minister. I think he's only going to be prime minister for another four months until Israel goes to new elections. Um, his government that he, his coalition government with prime minister Naftali Bennett dissolved. So all this political upheaval also doesn't bode well for Israel. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's, that's another concern. Well, I mean, do you think that Israel would just take the, the nuclear reactors out by themselves? Do you think they would actually do that? I, I don't think they have a choice, but I don't think that they have the capability to look. What do I know? I mean, I don't think they have the capability to destroy. I think they have the capability to delay, which is what they've been trying to do with all these small, you know, um, precision strikes. But, you know, a larger strike, I think they, they could possibly delay Iran getting a nuclear weapon, but I don't think they could totally destroy their nuclear capability. They'd have to have some help. Um, and I don't see the Biden administration helping them. No, Do you see anybody helping them? Right? Well, I, you know, it's interesting. I wonder if they could form you know, some type of some type of coalition with with the Arab countries, but they'd still have to take a lead. I mean, Saudi Arabia is more worried about Iran getting a nuclear weapon than the U.S. seems to be. In fact, I think during the press conference, the journalist from Al Arabiya was the first question she asked was about Iran. They are very, very concerned about Iran getting a nuclear weapon. So this, you know, we're seeing some baby steps too towards normalization between the Saudis and Israelis as well. David Friedman today said if, if Trump were in office, peace between Saudi Arabia and Israel would have occurred early into Trump's second term within the first year. And, you know, we see zero progress made on the Abraham Accords since Biden has taken office. He couldn't even say the words Abraham Accords for the first few months. And now I think on their own, Saudi Arabia has allowed direct flights you know, for, um, to the Hajj from Israel uh, for pilgrims. So that's, you know, that's a step in the right direction. They, you know, all these little things are, are, are good signs, but you know, the Biden administration has not you know, been helpful in this area at all. Why do you think that Joe Biden wants to go back into this uh, accord with Iran? I believe he wants to, he, they view a, a realigning in the Middle East and a more balanced Middle East. They, I, I think that they, that's how they view, you know, a, a safer, you know, a safer region is if there's more a more balance of power. Um, so I, I, I don't know that they want Iran to get a nuclear weapon. I just don't, I, I think they view it as bringing Iran into the fold as some type of realignment. Which is absolutely crazy when you have the leaders of Iran constantly calling death to America, death to Israel. That, you know, they've said they're going to single-handedly destroy Israel. You, you have to listen to that. You know, it's shocking to me that that the American administration under Biden would even consider something like that. Of course, I couldn't believe that Obama was doing that either. So, I mean, I, I don't think Biden has any new ideas. I think he's just following Obama's lead. When when President Trump uh, stopped the the agreement, wh what was the result of that? Do you know? 
What was the result I, with Iran? Was, was it a bad thing for Iran? It was a very bad thing for Iran because their economy was completely squeezed. And uh, so, so it had, they had Iran backed into a corner. And then, you know, once Joe Biden got back in, that was it. Um, it's, uh, you know, tr- Trump knew he, he put economic pressure on Iran. I don't think that could work today. I think today the only credible option is, is it the military option. Which, which isn't going to happen under Biden. I mean, I, no. I don't No. No. And it's, it, it's scary to even think about going back into that agreement and to, to be giving our enemies that much money, you know, uh, the president of France just said, Hey, everybody, uh, you're going to have to look at, you know, keeping the lights off because we're going to be running out of Russian oil and we have enough oil to help support Europe as well as ourselves. And yet we're over there talking to Saudi Arabia and we're, we're over there doing things that, that don't make any sense because we, not only would we be, we, we be giving Iran all of this money, but we would obviously be paying a really good price to Saudi Arabia for oil if, should they agree to give us oil. Why do that instead of paying America for the oil? I, I just don't even understand that. And, and it's here and it would put a lot of people back to work. We're, we're in a horrible inflationary time. There's so many reasons to turn our pipelines back on. And yet he's over there talking to other countries about shipping oil over to us, which is not even near as clean of oil as what we make here. So I, I yeah, this is just beyond me. We'll be right back. Don't miss an episode of the Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. Subscribe to the podcast. And for the latest news and inspiration, join us back at AmericaOutloud.com. It's summertime. Ready for your vacation to the beach, the lake, or the mountains? But what about your accommodations? Ever wonder what germs were left behind by the previous guests? Kathy G. from Tulsa says the Genesis Fogger gives her peace of mind and confidence when traveling. With Genesis, she knows that the air and surfaces in her vacation rental are free of bacteria and viruses left behind by the previous occupants. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. So I was watching this exchange between Senator Josh Hawley and this law professor from, from Berkeley out in California who were having a kind of back and forth about who can get pregnant, whether it's men or women who could get pregnant. There was a Senate hearing on abortion this week and the, this um, this professor was accusing Josh Hawley of this transphobic line of questioning that you know he was questioning her and she was accusing him of being transphobic. 
So basically what she said was he, you know, he said he wanted to clear something up. He's like, I just want to clear one thing up. And he asked her, this professor, if she meant women, when she used the phrase people with a capacity for pregnancy. So it's no longer women, just women getting pregnant. It's people with a capacity for pregnancy, kind of like, you know, birthing parents or, you know, menstruating, you know, humans. And it's, it's, she, she came back and she said, um, many women, including cis women have the capacity for pregnancy. And that meant that there are trans men who are capable of pregnancy. And there are these non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. And so he asked her if abortion was a women's rights issue. And, you know, and she, she said, well, you know, she could understand that this was something that impacts women, but it also impacts these other people as well. And so he said, he said, you know, he asked her if what, what she believed was like the core of her, of of this right, you know, and he, she came back and she just said, you know, your line of questioning is transphobic. It's me. It means that trans people, you know, you're, you're allowing trans people to be open to, to violence because you're not recognizing them. And he was just like, what are you talking about? You know, are, are you telling me that I'm going to get people, I'm going to, people are going to be exposed to violence because, you know, I'm asking whether or not it's women or who are people who, who are the only people who can get pregnant. And she basically said that, you know, she started in on this thing about how transgender people have committed suicide. And she thinks it's very important that we, we don't open this up. And we, and he was um, denying that trans people exist and pretending that they don't exist. And he was kind of like saying, how could you say that I'm, I'm, I'm denying that trans people exist when we're talking about women getting pregnant, that has nothing to do with, with the, the price of bananas, basically. And so he's, he basically said, um, you know, then she came back and she said to him, so, okay, let me get this straight. Are you saying that men, that you believe that men cannot get pregnant? And he was like, yeah, I'm believe I I'm saying that I don't think men can get pregnant. And she said, then you're denying that trans people exist. Okay. That was basically their exchange. Now I, I I'm lost. I don't know about you guys, but. <laughs> I, 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 she lost me on that. You know what? A a trans person that is a woman that became a man and therefore is trans or, or identifies as a man is still a biological woman. So they can get pregnant. That's not a man getting pregnant. A man can't get pregnant period. So I, the conversation is so ludicrous as to I'm shocked that that's what we're even talking about on Capitol Hill, that men can get pregnant and that women should be called by these uh, other names that you mentioned. I don't even like saying them, to be honest. Um, I'm a woman. I'm a mom. I'm I'm not a, a birthing parent. I'm a mom. And, you know, why are we, why are we making these kinds of big deals about less than 1% of our population when 99.9% of the population are on board with men and women and that women are the ones who have babies. You know, when, when you go to other countries and you ask, even in 
the deepest uh, parts of, say, Africa or South America or places where they have tribes that are living in jungles, and you ask that question, they, they look at you like you are crazy. No, a woman is somebody who has the babies, period. That, everybody knows that. Why are we even wasting our time with this? And, and the mentality of a professor who is teaching our kids, having that mindset right there tells you everything that's wrong with what our kids are learning in college. Well, you bring up an excellent point, Linda. Our world is just so upside down lately. I, I remember I went to the doctor's office here in New York a few weeks ago and you know I, they have you check in on an iPad and for your gender, you know, I, I clicked and gave me 10 different options. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, as for the professor, I thought to myself, if this is who they have teaching at our universities, I mean, who would want to pay $50,000 to have your child being taught by someone like that. But unfortunately, these are the professors who are teaching at many of our universities. And I, I will say this is common practice by many on the left. If you disagree with them, they will call you transphobic. They will call you homophobic. And it's, a you know, much of the reason why parents are scared to speak up about the radical gender ideology within the classroom. Um, because they engage, the left engages in, in this, you know, warped character assassination and it's just, it's wrong. And it, it actually happened in Michigan. I think a couple months ago, the Michigan Republicans voted against a nominee for a state university board of trustees because they cited a conflict of interest. The gentleman, John Hodley, I believe was currently enrolled as a student at the university. So the Republicans felt like he could not serve as a trustee on the board. Well, then, you know, the Michigan AG, who's a Democrat, immediately tweeted that the Republicans were homophobic. And it's, it's just insulting, especially since, you know, Rich, uh, Richard Grinnell, who Trump appointed him as acting director of national intelligence, was the first American, you know, gay American to hold, you know, a, a cabinet position. And it was in, he was nominated by Republican and people completely gloss over that. And they don't, you know, get, you know, instead Republicans are labeled as homophobic by much of the media and academia. Isn't this the whole thing though, is that the Democrats call people names. And I think that they kind of ran out of room there with, calling everybody racist because that lasted quite a long time where we were all racist. So now we need a new thing to call us all. So now we're all transphobic. Um, you know, I don't think that the vast majority of Americans, Americans care a hill of beans about people's other people's personal lives. You know, ultimately the truth is that people are too involved in their own life to care what the guy down the street is doing with his sex life. So I think that the, our legislators making this a big deal is it, it's like a red herring. It's like, look over here. 
and don't look at the other things that we're doing that are destroying our country. And that's how I see it. You want to talk about something in a congressional hearing? I'd like to see you talk about the elder abuse that is happening on our streets every single day where people are walking up to a 82-year-old man and uh, kicking him and hitting him until he dies, or a group of teenagers that you know hit, hit an elderly person with a, a, a cone, a street cone, a traffic cone, and, and kill that person, or somebody walking down the street in New York City who gets punched as somebody walks by. That's that's what I'd like somebody to take care of. I don't care about these people's sex life, and I don't want any of this talked about in school. I don't think it's the place for it. To me, the way I grew up, you know, uh, uh, your your sexual pro- proclivities are personal, and everybody in the world doesn't need to know them, and nor does everybody need to change and adjust their lifestyle because you have a different perspective than I have on men, women, sex, what, whatever you want to talk about there. But having this stuff in our Senate, when we have the highest inflation in 40 years, when we have uh, China, you know, just, just looking to take over America, when we have Iran who wants to get a nuclear bomb, when we have all of these issues, this is what we're talking about. Oh, it's really frightening that that we've sunk to this level. But what I what I what concerns me a little bit about the future of this is that okay, so yes, I do think that Joe Biden is owned by the left and he has to sort of bow down to these environmentalists and these climate change people and all these woke people and you know, but but in the end, I mean, he's not really woke. I mean, the guy is, you know, he's, he's, you know, he is what he is. He's almost senile elderly man who is, you know, propped up as president. He's, I don't think if you asked him what woke was, he probably wouldn't even know. But what scares me is that his generation is going to be gone very soon. And these people who are preaching all of this stuff are the upcoming people that are going to be leaders in our government. And it is going to be, if we don't do something about it, it is going to become, you know, much more pervasive than it already is. And and the fact that they just demand, it's not even a conversation. They just demand that you agree with them and how dare you disagree with them. And, you know, if you do disagree with them, you are transphobic or racist or whatever. I, you're hundred percent right, Linda. Nobody cares. I'm sorry if you think you were born in the wrong body, but it is less than 1% of this population that is actually, that actually falls under under that umbrella. And I don't think anybody has anything against anyone who's trans and nobody wishes any of those people any harm. Everyone, it's live and let live here. But these people who have taken this to such an, an extreme are the next people that are going to be elected in government and they're already running. And so it scares me that, that they're going to be in power very soon. Well, they're, they're making it, uh, they're also making the idea of, of trans fashionable and exciting and trendy. So many kids are just, you know, declaring themselves to be trans. And unfortunately, many of our institutions are following, are, are following them. Um, Elisa, you know, of, of a Jewish day camp, a well-known Jewish day camp, you know, they have branches throughout the country 
sent out an email before the start of the summer saying they would place children in bunks according to their gender identity, not according to their sex. So a friend of mine who sent her daughter to this camp got an email that there was a boy who identifies as a girl. So he would be sleeping in the bunk, you know, in her daughter's bunk with all the girls. And nobody thought, you know, does this, how is this unfair to the other girls in the bunk? And now they have a boy sleeping in the same, you know, room with them, using their, the same showers, bathrooms, et cetera. Nobody's protecting our girls during this either. They're just, you know, marching along, following, you know, these people like this professor, and they're just, they're not thinking clearly. And nobody's respecting the parents and what the parents want for their kids either. I mean, this, this is just, it makes no sense to me what we're doing here with this whole argument. I'm honestly very tired of hearing about it. Uh, I have a very good friend who uh, had a son, has a son. Um, she, she has passed, but her son uh, lived with us for a while when he was, oh, I guess he was about 17 years old. He was a great soccer player. He was um, very quiet, very studious, a, a good kid. Well, after his mom passed, he actually went um, transsexual and he became a woman. And it, it's just really interesting because, you know, there, there was never any life was normal in my house when, when he lived there and knowing him after uh, was different, but life was normal. It wasn't like, you know, throwing it in people's faces. And that, that's what I think that none of us like, you know, um, there, there was just recently a transgender that one of the ones that went into the schools to read to kids and to do skits for them. And he was um, just arrested for horrible child pornography on his computer. I mean, just very young boy sex acts. And I, I mean, that's, we have a right to be concerned about that and not to be called transphobic because we're concerned about that. The fact is that a lot of these people have issues and there, there's another one that is a, um, let's see, I've, I forget if they, they started as a, a girl and went to, was at 13 years old, was convinced that they were a boy. So they actually had breasts removed and now is living back as a, a normal girl and is so sorry and says, you don't know anything about your sex at that age. And I didn't know. And now I've ruined my body and I've ruined possibly my chance of having children, but at least ever breastfeeding my children. And, you know, people, a study was done that over 80% of these people have issues with, with changing over. So the fact that we're teaching this in schools and talking about it so much as though it is normal and putting it in their school books, it's not the normal way of life. It is just not. And yeah. And if I'm, you, and, 
if you if you uh, if you have if you even want to raise the issue and have a conversation with someone about it, you, you know, we're all just told to shut up and get with the program, you know, just get with the trans program. And, you know, uh, otherwise you're 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 at fault for killing these people or or, you know, you're you need to take the blame for them committing suicide because you questioned them and you didn't accept them or whatever this nonsense is. It's really disturbing that that this is what we're talking about. And I, I mean, I'm not sure how this is going to end. Do you see an end to this? I, I certainly don't. And I, and I see it being spread to, to children who are younger and younger. You have drag queen story hour popping up at many public schools throughout the country. I mean, no wonder parents are opting to pull their kids out of public school. You know, they're experiencing so much learning loss, especially after the teachers unions shut down the schools over COVID, prolonged school shutdowns. And instead of focusing on restoring the learning loss, you know, they have drag queens coming in and, 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 and reading to our kids. It's just, where are their heads? Well, it's also, you know, the whole thing has also seeped into corporations. You know, it, it's like the corporate America is, is woke now. And, you know, it's a little scary that this is where like I have a son who's who's in college and is going to be graduating next year and doing a right now an internship. And the first thing they asked him was, what are his pronouns? I was like, what? What corporation asked somebody that? And that's where we are today. So it's it's really frightening. I mean, it's almost like I, I don't know. You want to you want to you want to kind of buck the trend and not go along with it. But like what what is the future for these kids if they don't go along with it? Many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 120 times per month. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains full effective doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day pill-free ultra-absorption ingestible gel. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code AMERICA50 for 50% off any order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code AMERICA50 for 50% off. Thanks for listening. You can tune in to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off weekdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at AmericaOutloud.com. Welcome back to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off, and I'd like to introduce our host today. Today, we are talking with Elisa Akron-Gold, and Elisa is from Connecticut. She's a mom of four children, and in her past life, she was a television producer on some very famous shows like Good Morning America Sunday. But in her current life, she is a weight loss coach, and I always have to say, Elisa, um, that I love what you do there. You have the best program I've ever seen. My husband and I uh, were very successful on it, as are many of our friends. So thanks for that. And uh, we are also with Arit Trout. And Arit is a freelance writer. She lives in New York City. Arit has a master's. Well, I'm not sure. Do you live in New York City? Is, is that no, right? Yeah, Just New York. 
It's just north of the city. <laughs> okay. Um, Arit has a master's from the George Washington University in international affairs with a focus on the Middle East. And you could tell by the way she talks about the Middle East that she knows what she's talking about there. And she uh, has worked on Capitol Hill for several members of Congress. She is also a wife and a mother to three children. And I am Linda Martinelli. I am a mom to four children and I am a business owner and also right here on America Out Loud, the host with my husband, Dr. Ron Martinelli, a forensic criminologist of Talking While Married on weeknights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So please join us there. So, Arie, you being in New York, I really want to talk a little bit about your mayor, Eric Adams. Eric Adams uh, is seeming to fade in popularity And uh, the article that I read said that New Yorkers fear that he is a woke, empty suit. Uh, I'd like to know your opinion of that, but I'll tell you mine. I thought he was a woke, empty suit before he even came into office. I didn't think that New Yorkers should vote for him, despite the fact that he was a police officer. He was in administration. He wasn't really a street cop. And um, from what I have heard on the streets of New York, and I I know many um, people in the New York Police Department, they were not thrilled and they did not respect him as a good street officer when he was on the job. So to have him come in and say he was going to reduce crime, that's really not the direction he's gone at all. And the other thing I have to throw in here that really makes me mad is that this is a guy that is still making grade school kids and small children wear masks in schools. I mean, aren't we over that? Yes. So just to your point, the crime in New York City is up. grand larceny, robberies, burglaries are all up over 30% since last year. And the recidivism rate is high as well. Uh, Gun violence is down a bit, but over July 4th weekend, 58 people got shot. And, you know, the cops, the New York cops shot several people. And to Adam's credit, he does seem to have, you know, the NYPD's back, uh, despite the NYPD's currently seeing an exodus of police officers. But Adams, he does say the right things to to signal to the police that, that he's on their side. I, uh, look, he likes to party with the celebrities. I think after, you know, he, you know, he tries to present himself as a man of the people, maybe in some ways he is, but he also, you know, likes the fun parties after, you know, his election night party, he, uh, he left to go, you know, to go to an event in Soho with rapper Ja Rule and Forrest Whitaker and Chris Rock and, and, and all of these things, um, all of these people you know, vaccine mandate, he lifted it for Broadway performers and pro athletes, but not the people serving in the stadiums or or anyone else. So, you know, I don't agree with everything he does. I do think he's better than de Blasio. He seems, you know, he seems to be out and about in the streets, taking the subways, visiting with people, but he needs to do more. Now, one reason I think he cannot do more is because of DA Alvin Bragg. Um, it, it, you know, it doesn't help if you arrest these people and then they're let out on, on bail right away. The big story over the last couple weeks was the story of Jose Alba, 
the bodega worker who was attacked by Austin Simon, who had been arrested 27 times previously. And Alba, you know, ended up killing Simon and Bragg wanted to tag him with a $500,000 bail and didn't even want to charge Simon's girlfriend who was seen at the scene pulling a knife out of her bag. Now, you know, thankfully, well, well, I, I, she didn't just pull a knife out of her bag. She stabbed him in the arm twice. Oh, she stabbed it right. And she stabbed him. So so I think Adams in some ways has his hands tied. I think Bragg has is the one who has to go. And I think Hochul is a big part of the problem. And it's in it's exactly why I think Lee Zeldin, who's the Republican running for governor right now, he won the primary, the Republican primary uh, on the 28th, on June 28th. I actually think he has a real shot at, at being elected. I, w- I was very interested to see that he, you know, that he's kind of coming up in the ranks. I, I just don't know if we're going to get a Republican governor elected here again in New York. I mean, it's just such a blue state still you know, every, it's so, I don't know, Irit. I mean, I really want to, I want that to happen, but she seems to have a pretty good grip on power up there in Albany. Don't you think? I do. I mean, I, I'm a little bit of an optimist in this case because Zeldin ran down the numbers and he only has to win somewhere between 28 and 35% of, of New York city to, you know, to potentially win because he has some areas of Long Island, Staten Island, upstate locked up. Those are traditionally red districts. Um, Where I live happens to be, you know, very, very liberal. Um, But even in my area, I'm starting to see signs pop up, um, you know, supporting Republican candidates. I think people are so upset over what's going on in New York in general with the taxes, with the crime, that they may be willing to give give someone else a chance. And I think if there's a year Republican is going to win, it, it could be, you know, this year. That That's true. That is true in the sense that the city is in such bad shape. Um, you, you really cannot even go on the subway. It's, it's, it's really just become, it's dangerous. It's dirty. It's, you know, you just, I don't feel safe on the subways at all. Um, and, you know, you just see the, the air in the city, when you're walking around the city, it doesn't have that same vibrancy that it had, you know, like in the years before de Blasio, when, when Bloomberg was in, or even back towards the Giuliani years. I mean, it was, it was like at its finest then. It was clean. It was livable. It, things were happening there. It was, it was almost like you couldn't get enough of the city. And now- right. You just you walk into you you walk down the city in the street you walk down the streets in the city and it's like it, you feel it feels depressing it just has a heaviness about it so it's, maybe you're right it 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 smells depressing and it smells like pot everywhere I go I mean everywhere you can be on the Upper East Side everywhere yeah the entire city smells like marijuana which you know I I cannot stand I mean it's a topic for another day I guess but I can't stand the hypocrisy. Of, of Democrats, you know, trying to, to tag all these rules on smokers of cigarettes. They act like, like cigarette smokers are the absolute pariah, but yet marijuana, you know, smoking marijuana is okay. Um, I, I don't understand that at all. Um, but, uh, 
but you know, in fact, we, I'm in Miami now and we went out with friends who recently moved from New York to Miami. And, you know, it was hard, I think at first to break, you know, that, that New York connection. So they ended up renting a place in the city for the year. And after a few months, they're like, you know what, we're breaking our lease early. They didn't even go back. They didn't want to go back. They were so happy in Florida. And they said the city that they missed is, is no longer that same city. Right. It, it just it is not what it once was. And they don't know if it'll ever come back. And I guess, you know, we'll have to wait and see to see if it will. will but but that was very interesting. It can come back. It's come back before, you know, when Giuliani came in and, and he made changes. Uh, I mean, he really cleaned things up. So we, we know that it can be done. But why? Why Governor Hochul chooses to leave Alvin Bragg in there, I, I just really don't understand. This guy is totally, first of all, he's not just damaging the city, he's and tourism for sure, but he's he's harming, I mean, physically harming the residents there by letting a guy out like this guy that we were just talking about in the bodega that um came in, had been arrested 27 times. Why are these people back on the street the next day able to do this again? Where, where the, the man who stabbed him uh, after he was being attacked is charged with murder and he got bailed out, but he's got to wear an ankle bracelet and, and he can't really go anywhere. So, I mean, I, I just don't understand the justice there anymore and why we think that it's okay to be coddling criminals. It's not just New York. It's all over the country. But New York is, to my mind, one of the perfect examples of a city that was really doing well. And then you get in a de Blasio and, and now um, this Alvin Bragg. And then, you know, Eric Adams, he, he may well like the officers. I mean, he was one of them. But he's not being strong enough to take care of these these issues. And he's he's I don't think he's got the, the officers back as much as I'd like to see him have it. I, I just would like to see some stronger people in there. I really do hope that New York is smart enough to elect a Republican again and get that place cleaned up because Governor Hochul is not doing the job. I mean, she's she's standing behind people like Alvin Bragg. And that is worrisome for me because you don't, I, I mean, what do you do then? Arie? What do you do as, as a person who lives there? You, you, do you just avoid the city or, I mean, I'm sure it spreads out from the city too. It, 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 it does spread out from the city. Um, I don't avoid the city. I still go. And, uh, you know, my daughter's actually going to high school there next year, but she'll take a van, you know, directly to school and, and back home. She wants to take the subway, but I, at this point, I, I won't let her. Maybe things will improve. Um, but, but I don't avoid the city, although, you know, you can just sense it's just not, it's not what it once, what it once was. Again, the, the pot smoking is, is just everywhere you go. Um, and, and also, you know, Washington Square Park, I, I, it's part of my undergraduate degree at NYU. I was at the park quite often and you can't really hang out there during the day anymore because of, of what's going on. It used to be, you know, where musicians would play and I guess people still play chess there, but it's, 
it's still, it's, it's far more dangerous. I was actually just there, Irit, um, on Monday because my daughter started a class. She's taking a summer class downtown um, and right on 13th and 5th, right next to NYU. And so I took her down there for the first day. The smell, when we got out, we got, we took the train in from where we are. And then we took an Uber because again, I was not going to take the subway. So we took an Uber to get from the train station down to where she needed to be. We got out of that Uber. The smell of marijuana just hit me literally. I mean, and this was a nice neighborhood. This is not even like we were, you know, it was just a really nice, you know, pretty clean area. And just the, the smell on the streets was overwhelming. You couldn't escape it. So what you're saying is a hundred percent true. And then we drove, we, we, uh, we were walking by the park and so forth. I didn't think that that park was, it did not look so nice in there. I would, I told her, do not go into that park by yourself. Absolutely not. Um, so I, I don't think that the city is, the city is a long way to go. It definitely does. Um, but I agree that, like, I also had, just to mention, while, while we're talking about the, the marijuana, another friend of mine um, took their son down to New Orleans, and she said the same thing in New Orleans. They got out of a, ca- a taxi cab, and the smell of marijuana was just overwhelming. So I, I think that's what's going on in our cities. It's really sad. Is, is marijuana legal there? Yes. In New Orleans? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or in New York. Yeah. Okay. So it's not anything that they're going to get a ticket for or anything. So no. And because it's not illegal, it's everywhere. You, you walk down the streets and, and you smell it. People are, are smoking right on the streets. Well, what's, what's scary to me is those same people are driving cars and right. they're, you know, they're under the influence of something that is altering their mental status. And that is worrisome to me. I mean, that we saw that happened in, um, Oh, and in Colorado, when they legalized their the, the traffic accidents went way up. So mm-hmm. anyway, they're yeah. I I really hope uh, I really hope that New York makes a change. I hope I don't know what it's going to take for them to get tired enough of this crime. I mean, the the crime there that I see on the news is so horrific. It's so. Um, uncalled for it's not like somebody starts something it's people just are taking guns and shooting wildly and innocent people are getting killed and people like i said earlier people are walking down the street and punching somebody that's uh generally elderly but it, they, they also have a tremendous amount of um asian people that are being kind of picked on there as well and we we've talked about this before and, and they also have uh, a number of Jewish people that are being picked on there. So I, I really hope for their sake that they get tired of this and that, that, that they want law and order and that they want criminals to be put away. And at least we, we can start a change. You know, I personally, my husband and I won't go to New York anymore. We used to love to go to New York. We went every single year in January. Um, but we don't, we don't go a- anymore because I, I wouldn't walk down the street to go to my favorite restaurants. I, I would be afraid. And that's not any way to live. Right. I guess you almost get used to it. But then being here in Florida, being down here in Florida, there's a totally different feeling. It just feels safer. It feels cleaner. And you know, it's not surprising that New Yorkers are you know, moving down here in droves. 
Didn't your mayor just put up a sign, a big billboard say to move back to New York so you can say gay? Yeah. By the way, I think people who talk about that bill, you know, the the left labeled DeSantis's Florida bill, the don't say gay bill, the word gay isn't even in the bill. I know. I think that if people actually knew what was in the bill, they would support it. Um, I, I think it, it, it has a lot of support. It just, you know, prohibits gender instruction, you know, in K through through three. Um, that's that's not that's not so outlandish. Not at all. It's got nothing to do with saying gay or being gay at all. Um, but that they just jumped on that and then they rode with it because it was a way to lambast him. And so you know, the more they say it, the more people believe it. Nobody's really going to go and read the bill to see what's in it. So people know it now is the don't say gay bill. It's just not fair. Well, if they actually, if they actually read the constitution or read the, uh, the ruling by the Supreme court on Roe v. Wade, they wouldn't be protesting like they are either, but nobody even knows what's in our constitution anymore. Nobody understands. Um, the, the, these, uh, Supreme court rulings are quite easy to read and they're, they're uh, uh, you know, it's not brain surgery. It's, it's easily understood. I think if people would read these things and understand the premises for the decisions that they're hard to argue with. So I, I don't know. I think it's all about people being uninformed, ill-informed, um, uneducated in the, the way that America is supposed to work. And it's not working that way. And we have people like George Soros, you know, putting lots and lots of money into uh, wrecking our system as best he can. Uh, they just put in a whole, actually the Biden administration just put in millions and millions of dollars. It might even have been billions, but I can't quote you the number because I don't know it into uh, Los Angeles to defund the police. And that, I mean, why would you do that? It's already bad enough there. The crime has gone crazy and they have their own uh, Alvin Bragg type of person there and George Gascon, who's up for recall in November. So we have we have forces that are working against us for sure. And we just we have to be uh, smarter and more educated and more informed to contradict it. And I, I think that that would be the answer for New York would be to become more informed and not just blindly vote blue and try to get somebody in there that can actually work on their behalf and make where where you live a safer, cleaner place. And that would that would be great. Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind. 